And uh, welcome, uh, Swing Thoughters, you people that listen to each and every one of these uh, golf podcasts. Welcome to Swing Thoughts. I'm Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show on Sirius XM, and of course, uh, self-appointed golf spiritual leader, along with the coach of the University of Guelph uh, Gryffindors, uh, Griffins, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. Griffins, Griffins. It's a Harry Potter thing. He's the mental performance coach as well for the Glen Abbey Golf Academy, uh, one of my dear friends and a uh, golf buddy. Uh, Timothy O'Connor. Good morning. Good day. Was it your birthday last time we recorded, or was it was it between? Between, yeah, it was uh, last week. I had a birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I I don't know why because I'm not I think there. I'm practicing avoidance, is it resistance. <laughs> Maybe I'm not there yet. Uh, but I will be soon. Happy 60th birthday, Tim. Ah, oh, shucks. And you look thank great, dude. Oh, thank you. Like, thank I look you. around the population of, you know, guys our age, and uh, 60's the new 47, in your case. I'll go with that. Sure, sure. This program is brought thank to you, you by TaylorMade Golf. The number one driver in golf, again, is the uh, M1. The M2 is amazing as well. And uh, as of last Wednesday night, I heard them announce our... Our name at Men's Night, uh, brought to you by Clublink. Nice. We've nice. got our logo on all the cards again. Sweet. And uh, we couldn't be uh, happier. Uh, let's get right to our two guests this morning, because I know you golfers, <clears throat> you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about early season frustration and getting angry and, and, and all that that we talk about here on the show. And I'm wondering, Tim, a lot of frustration comes from golfer's inability to master the sport. It really is the most difficult thing in the world to do and um, for some reason golfers think that they should just be able to solve it. And I think what we're going to find out today from our guests is that maybe our focus has been in different spots and that's what leads to frustration. Yeah, I think uh, so many golfers they're actually I've experienced this in my own golf is that wanting to do it right wanting to swing correctly making sure that you make that model swing that you read about in golf digest or saw on uh, the golf fix or whatever and to me that focus on um, on trying to do it right trying to swing a certain way is just a, a real cause of frustration for a lot of golfers and if you think about it you know a real direct line from you know, lack of um, ability to master something, or as you just said, uh, doing it right, leads to all those frustrations. And maybe we can help to uh, minimize those a little bit today with our two guests. Uh, to begin with, Dr. Gabrielle Wolf is a professor of kinesiology, well kinesiology <laughs> at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. She has uh, researched and written a lot of articles about uh, external focus uh, versus internal focus, and her uh, her book Attention and Motor Skill Learning is a must read for anyone that's interested in how a lot of uh, motor skills work both inward and outward as well. With us, we're lucky to have Dr. Rebecca Luthwaite, uh, author of The Power of Choice, who has a lot of uh, she's a PhD at UCLA in movement, and uh, today we welcome both of you to our show. Hello. Hi, thanks very much. Yes, thank you. Hi, Tim and Howard. Nice to talk with you. Well, lovely to have you here, and I'm, I'm assuming you're just super excited to be on Swing Thoughts. And we are. <laughs> are you? Um, Dr. Gabrielle, or Gabby, if we can start with you, maybe you could just give us a, a, a brief overview of external focus versus internal focus, and I know that you've done a lot of thinking and research on golf and why this is such a stumbling block for a lot of golfers. Mm-hmm. Yes, so um, this line of research about an internal versus external focus of attention uh, is almost 20 years old now. <laughs> and um, in the meantime, or since then, there have been more than 100 studies that show that focusing on our body movements while we are performing motor skills is very detrimental. <laughs> uh, in contrast, when people just think about the intended movement effect, as we call it, so the intended outcome of their actions, um, they perform much better, much more fluidly, automatically, and um, just more effectively and efficiently in general. Are you and, talking about re reacting, say, to target when you talk about intention? Is it about you know, sending this little white ball to, to that place out there? Exactly. For example, yes. I mean, golfers have a lot of options when it comes to focusing externally. One option might be to just 
hit the ball. Um, but at a more advanced stage, uh, it would make more sense to think about the, or, you know, think about the trajectory of the ball or where they want the ball to end up. Um, and in fact, a more distal focus uh, is more effective. So anything that's more um, distal from the body is even better than, you know, a movement effect that's closer to the body. Dr. Rebecca, excuse me, you and Dr. Wolf have developed something called the optimal theory of motor learning. And before we get to that, um, when, when Gabrielle is talking about, you know, external focus, maybe, and as Tim mentioned, maybe it's a target. Is there, is there something about focusing on the club head versus on your body making the movement that the club head is supposed to achieve? Is that, can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a good example of the kind of an external focus on on the club head in a particular plane, perhaps that's contacting a ball and focusing there rather than the hands and arms that are accomplishing that. Um, as as uh, Gabby mentioned, it, it, it leads to certain fluidity, and that's really what you're after. You're not after consciously thinking about this muscle moving and this joint moving and 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 that's even though we can describe movements that way it's not a good way to instruct ourselves or others so we want to help people kind of smoothly accomplish the goal of the task and so keeping the thoughts away from our body is one way that we can help that smooth uh Action. Well, if I may say, that's a really golfers listen to what uh, Dr. Rebecca just said um, about you know we we get so uh, caught up in uh, what makes what achieves the task as opposed to the task itself. And I think about a tennis player going across court to hit back a volley. They're not really thinking about you know elbow in, rotate back. They're just reacting to something and they have a target in mind. Yeah. Whereas the the static. Um, the staticness of a golf swing gives us all this time to focus on the almost the the racket as opposed to the ball. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you mentioned time, because time, in a way, in golf is an enemy. Yes. <laughs> because it allows all these extraneous and non-useful thoughts to enter into the story. So, you know, really what we're trying to do is connect smoothly, Mm -hmm. let our bodies take over. But by thinking about our bodies, ironically, it does the opposite. Well, that's the interesting thing to uh, to to me and Howard. And we people who have listened to the show for a while have heard us talk about this is that the culture of golf and the culture of golf so much is. Um, you can just look at any kind of golf magazine or golf tips or the internet, and someone's telling you that you got to focus on your swing plane and get your, you know, hinge your wrist this way and get your club at this part of the top and rotate that left hip. What is it that causes, why is that internal focus cause golfers to feel, say, a level of tension and just not to swing or react smoothly like you discussed? Yeah, that that is an interesting point that you're making, and Rebecca um, also mentioned that, you know, when we have time, we start to think about our movements consciously or unconsciously. We tend to focus on our movements, and that has been shown to result in a number of, well, detrimental effects, one being co-contractions. You see a lot more contractions within a muscle, but also in other muscles. As soon as you start thinking about one body part, it's really quite amazing. Um, And that, in turn, results in, well, less accuracy and um, less efficiency. You know, the ball doesn't go as far and it doesn't go where it's supposed to go. So there's no way you can hit a golf ball accurately by thinking about body movements. The results of so many studies are very clear in showing that. It's interesting that some of your activities include uh, golf, tennis, skiing, and windsurfing. And I, I've skied for a long time, and I snowboard now, and then I've also windsurfed. And it's interesting because those, to me, seem a lot more reactive. Because as the terrain changes as you're skiing or boarding, mm-hmm. or the wind may shift while you're surfing, you, you almost instinctively react to them. 
because of the even, you know, even with uh, with uh, going down a, an expert hill, you might have a little tension at the beginning of it. But once you begin the activity, it's almost like you give over the focus to ex- the the external, which is the the terrain changing, mm-hmm. and it's those moments in golf that uh, because, as Tim said, you know, time and is is. You have so much time between shots, and a lot of what Tim talks about with his his clients and students is, you know, how to get your mind in a place for your body to take over. Mm-hmm. How do we as golfers, uh, Rebecca and Gabriel, how do we learn to react and be a little bit more externally focused? Because anyone listening here is going, this is all great, guys, but i got to play tomorrow. Yeah, let me just uh, comment briefly. Please on comment on the longest question ever asked. <laughs> You brought up an interesting point, skiing or windsurfing, where you are dealing with a balance skill and you have to react to the environment. But interestingly, I mean, for example, when people get a little nervous, you know, because the hill, the mountain is a little challenging, for example, they start to focus on what to do. And uh, again, that produces an internal focus. But also, um, when you are a skier and you say, focus on leaning forward, it's not as effective as imagining putting pressure on the tips of your skis. Right. Try that sometime if you haven't done it. It makes a big difference almost, I mean, immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's because your reflexes take over and, um, you know, your actions are much more smooth and um, effective. Gabby, just before Rebecca answers, I want to say that, you know, there is something about that idea of balance, and, and if you somebody like once I learned the basics of snowboarding and it took a couple of days, once I got the fundamentals, the grip, the stance, all that stuff, mm-hmm. after a while, you are just letting yourself react to what's happening. And I never thought about where does my weight go? How are my knees bent? And yet, Rebecca, oh, yeah. a lot of what. You know, we talk about on this show, and, and as Tim described, too, about where are my hands in, in, in relationship to space, that, that is just such a, a swing killer, if you will. It is. And, you know, we, we tend to go there when we have time to go there. But when we don't have time, when we're reactive, we don't. But in golf, as you say, it's, it seems to be a non-reactive type of a sport. However, if you think about the goal you have in mind, let's say to to hit the green just over the lip and to let the ball roll, if that's your target, then your target can pull you forward. You can be responding to the target, so to speak, instead of reacting to something else, but responding. And so I think part of what we have to do is overcome the inertia, which allows all these thoughts to enter. And just focus externally on the target we have in mind and then go with that flow. So in a way, we are trying to make it more responsive to the goal of the movement. And if we can manage to kind of time it well so that we don't spend too much time, but it's not like you walk up there and don't take a practice swing and chop away at it. That would be unprepared movement. But you prepare a bit, you have a routine, you step up to the ball, you try to keep that rhythm going, and focus on the target, and let that target help you, let it take you. And, and that's kind of finding that optimal timing and balance of, not, not physical balance, but balance of your mind and your body without thinking about your body is really the the key yeah so rebecca it's uh tim here one of the things that i find is really interesting in this is this whole aspect of reacting to target and one of the things i noticed in uh in reading your bio is that you were a um a softball player yeah and then i think you coached at the uh intercollegiate level Mm -hmm. and the connection i'm going to make is that i remember when i was in the backyard and i played catch with my son Corey. And uh, I was teaching him pitching, and I knew enough about pitching to be a little bit dangerous. But all I knew is that if I just, if he just put his glove out there, and I just focused on the glove, and there was no sense of where my elbow was or transferring my weight, I could hit that target pretty well nine times out of ten. Can you connect the dots between golf and that kind of target awareness that we have, say, in baseball when we're just thrown to a target? 
Yeah, I, I think it does work the same way, you know, no matter what the sport, if you keep your goal in mind or your intended target, if it might not be the final goal, but it might be the, the spot to hit, if you keep that in mind, and it, it's almost, it's not a gripping, uh, deliberative focus, it's just saying, okay, that's what I want to hit it, that the glove is what I want to hit, the green is what I want to hit, just over this spot is a good place. And you're, what you're doing is you're allowing your mind to be filled, so to mm-hmm. speak, or to, to, be, to be taken over with the target and not with how to get there. Right. Yeah, that's great. Well, I want to direct this one to, to uh, Gabrielle in that what Rebecca was talking about, rather than let your mind be filled, say, with thoughts of how to do it, but so many golfers were caught up like we're smart and we want to apply ourselves and we want to do these things correctly and the whole idea that we would give up the notion that we have to direct our minds and I have to swing this way that just seems so it, it seems like a level of trust that really you're telling me to just trust in my body I mean why yeah, why does that why is there so much wisdom in the I don't know how do we take uh, access the wisdom of the body and let the mind just go yeah, that's that's a really interesting question, and uh, I think yeah, it's quite amazing how just trusting your body um, can you know result in the desired outcome. It just simply does not work um, when we try to consciously control our movements, and often we do it because we receive certain instructions or feedback from instructors and coaches, and you know many people have the idea that you need to. At least in the early learning stages, you need to consciously control your movements. Right. But it, it just it just doesn't work. <laughs> so somehow you need to, like Rebecca said, focus on the target, what you want to achieve, and your body knows how to do it. I mean, we have seen this over and over again in studies. You give the right cue to somebody. Let me give you one golf-related example. Um, simply instructing somebody to, well, push against the ground as opposed to shifting their weight forward during the wall swing right. uh, results in a much better technique um, and the ball goes farther and, and so forth. So just thinking about the ground rather than your foot. So say that again, So because okay. I, I, I guarantee there are golfers listening yes, that are exactly. going, wait a second, uh, do I push against the ground during my backswing? <laughs> and that's what's going to do it? But you're, you're saying the, the idea of putting some attention and externally focusing on something other than the plane of your swing or, you know, right. did you cock your wrists on the downswing or any of those other things yeah. we think so about? Don't do that. Just... Trust your body. And the example I just gave you is related to a study we did a few years ago in which novice golfers uh, were instructed to, well, focus on shifting of the weight to their left foot when they were right-handed golfers. And in another group, they were asked to push against the ground. That makes sense. With that left foot. With the left foot, exactly. But the foot wasn't mentioned. People just thought about the ground versus their foot. And the group that was instructed to focus on the ground had a much better technique. The angle between the shoulders and the hips was much larger during the downswing, and the ball went farther. And so this shift in the attentional focus um, automatically resulted in a much better outcome. So... You know, you guys were talking a little bit of uh, softball, and, and I've often thought that one of the things that makes our sport golf so great is that it combines, you know, a lot of aspects of other sports. For instance, you know, there's the pitcher alone on a mound trying to hit a target and all the pressure of, you know, everyone watching him. Well, that's sort of like every golfer. You know, you're alone. It's just you. There is no team around you. And being a pitcher is a fairly isolated aspect of a team sport you know and uh, there's all that time for the pitcher to think and and there's a lot of technique that goes into pitching and and having a pitching coach and that's what i want to talk a little bit about with you too which is the idea of instruction fundamentals basics grip and stance versus flow which is kind of what we you know if, if this if this program has a raison d'etre it's to it's to get people around, get their heads around the idea that, you know, golf is more than just, are you doing correct things that your golf guru told you to do? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just want you to think about that for a just don't don't answer right away. But if you could say that was an interesting question, Tim and I are actually don't, keeping track of the ego. number of times. No, I'm just kidding. Right now, I'm leading interesting questions four to three. <laughs> don't feed his ego. Just listen. My ego is is so fine at this point. I, my question is instruction versus flow. How do we get golfers to understand that there is a certain amount of I don't know basics. A pitcher needs to know how to throw a ball, and yet under the in the activity of the sport, on top of that mound, all alone, he has to be in flow and target focused. Well, one is the end result flow of getting yourself into the right frame of mind, and instruction can actually be very helpful to get you to that point. In fact, people who don't have an external focus given to them or don't provide it to themselves as they get ready to hit um, have sort of a a little more chaotic mind. Mm -hmm. But by instructing someone, focus there, focus, and I, I, I did want to make a little um, adjustment to one thought you had, which was focusing on the swing can be an external thought if you're not focusing on your arms and your hands in the swing, but if you focus on the trajectory of the club, for right. example, that's external. Say that again. So if you're focusing on the, on the, on the club head or the path of the club? or Yeah, the path. Let's say the, the, the uh, trajectory of the club as you bring it down. And you want maybe to hit a little inside out or you want to put some action on the ball. You may be thinking about a swing of a club, but it's the club and right. not the hand. Not your not body. Got it. Uh, which is, by the way, huge for golfers. Because mm-hmm. most of us, you know, we start it, we talk about being a, you know, paralysis by analysis. We get so chaotic. Uh, and wondering what swing thought we should use that day that we don't ever think about the target or the club head and what it's doing. Right. So you don't want an empty, uninstructed thing. You want to have a particular external focus. You want to stick with it. And you just want to execute. So instruction can be the root to something that later you say, ooh, I was going so well, so smooth and efficient today, I was in flow. Mm -hmm. So you can't think get to flow first, you think about get my body moving in the exact place I want it to move to and and not think about how it's going to get there. So instruction is, you know, actually extremely helpful, but it's what instruction. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I may add, um, like Rebecca said, yes, uh, focusing on the swing of the club is an external focus, and it has been shown to be helpful uh, for novice golfers relative to focusing on the arms. But the optimal swing thought um, most likely depends on the skill level. So if you have a high-level golfer, um, asking them to swing on the club might not be the optimal focus. But if they just focus on the intended trajectory of the ball, um, that might work better for them. So something more distal, as I mentioned earlier, or a higher level external focus, perhaps. Okay. I wanted to ask about this. You talked about uh, taking instruction and lessons. And one of the things that, uh, in, in reading through your uh, a lot of the things that you folks have written. You talk about performer autonomy. Are you talking about autonomy in terms of relation with what you're learning from your coach and and how you operate with the coach? Or just if you could explain what you mean by that. So there's an example. Um, Phil Jackson used to be the coach of the Lakers, and he had a technique wherein at every time out, he would have his team go to a separate place on the floor than he and his coaches went. And he would have that team focus on what they thought the next play should be after the timeout. He and his coaches would do the same. And then he would come back together. And he would say, okay, what would you guys come up with? And then he would look at what both groups came up with and say, okay, we're going to go with yours. So in a way, autonomy is the freedom to make some choices about what you're going to do, whether it's, you know, within a game, within a practice session, uh, you know, what uh, shot to work on first versus second. So it can be very small, but it's just a little bit of wiggle room and freedom to say, 
I'm going to do this instead of I'm going to comply with you. Okay. So, w- it's kind of creating little situations, whether you do it for yourself or you have someone work with you in an autonomous, supporting way. Okay. I want to direct this one to Rebecca and make a direct connection to, to golf from that, in that a lot of times when we're taking a golf lesson, the pro is, is saying, okay, uh, Tim, I want you to focus on this with your elbow and, and do this and that, and so very specific stuff to work on. And then I'll go away from the lesson, and then I'll start to have, say, my I'll be working on it, and then I'll start to have my own insights. And I think, gosh, I think I really I get more value in doing this thing that I thought of mm-hmm. are you talking when you talk about autonomy you're talking about in that way too, allowing say the golfer to, to have yes. his or her mm-hmm. own discoveries and to follow those yes and in fact sometimes at the beginning of, of this session you might say okay you mentioned you wanted to work on this shot what's your feeling how, how do you think you hit that shot best so you actually ask a question mm. and engage somebody in that process and then you might say well, why don't we give that a shot first? Let's see. And then we could try this other thing, see which works best for you. So you've just created a little opportunity to uh, play a role, play an active role in what happens. Well, if I may jump in, because Tim kind of went exactly uh, where I wanted to go as well, and it sort of makes sense because we both have a belief that, you know, getting external um, instruction that is guru based, which is this is how this is my method. You need to do this, or you're not doing the golf swing right. Versus, you know, there's something that you know the phrase in golf about owning your swing, or or in any in any discipline, yep. it, where where it's been basically trial and error and things you've discovered on your own versus the model of going to take a lesson trying it out for a week, going back, it's not right, putting it on track, man, numbers are wrong. Whereas, you know, all of us, you know, there's that, I don't, not to get too bagger Vance, but there's, a, there's sort of a feeling we have within the game that, you know, maybe there is some things I've discovered on my own that work best for me, whether it's ball position or just uh, um, a way of going about, you know, the, the swing itself. But it's, I think there's some value in learning with some feedback from some, learning on your own in a way, once you have some mm-hmm. basics, because sure. then when you get into a situation, and I say this as a fairly high level player, that when you get into situations, you go, you know what? I know what works best for me in this situation. Yes, I, I completely agree, too. I mean, in fact, this is my favorite way of learning. Mm. I, I don't like to take lessons and uh, I just practice on my own and figure out how to do it. You know, I, I watch good golfers and get an idea of what it's supposed to look like and then just practice and get a feel for it and it's worked quite well for me. Well, Dr. And, I was going to yeah. say, Dr. Wolf, you know, you, you talked about windsurfing. I took up snowboarding exactly. in my mid-40s so it is, and yeah. it is a very painful, <laughs> abrupt <laughs> uh, learning curve. So I was given some instruction on day one on the bunny hill with a bunch of seven-year-olds, mm-hmm. but by day three, I basically failed my way to success. I fell enough times like a two-year-old learning to walk that eventually I found my balance, but no one instructed me as to where my knees were supposed to be. I just learned. Once I got the basics, I basically learned it myself. And again, by watching others, but it was a, it's a great lesson in how we have this ability, I believe, to find our own way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I agree. And Coincidentally, this is how I discovered that an external focus works and an internal focus doesn't when I was windsurfing. Um, so, yeah, you discover a lot of things when you just practice on your own without somebody telling you what to do. You know, you figure out what to focus on, what works, and what, you know, you know when the movement feels right. And you learn how to correct yourself and, you know, come up with another swing thought if something doesn't work and And, yeah and you know at the same time i think there are people out there who will be thinking and reasonably so you know this person has never played has doesn't have a clue of what to do i need to to tell them and i think the issue of autonomy support can can be really whittled down to to small sometimes incidental ways of supporting someone's sort of sense of agency, if you will. 
So maybe they don't have a good idea, uh, a good feel for this wood. This one really works for me. I'm going to go that way. But let's say they're they're new, they're novice. So, what could you do to still give them a sense of autonomy? Well, you might say, okay, you're on the practice range, and we have a target to your left and a target to your right. Which one would you like to try first? Very small, seemingly incidental. Right. You would have done both anyway. So you give someone that choice. And the reason that you do is not because it matters if you did a left or a right first. It's because it triggers a response in your brain. It provides dopamine to the movement. Ah. And by, by finding little ways to trigger dopamine when you practice, which you can do by giving these kind of small choices or by building confidence, when you do that, then you sort of optimize the opportunity for them to move well. So it's it's actually thinking about how do I create an experience for that person where they're anticipating good, and we tend to anticipate good when we feel in control. And that's where the power yeah. of choice comes from. Exactly. Yes. Well, what I find so fascinating about about your work, uh, professors, plural, is that um, this corroborates in so many ways things that uh, just resonate for me about how to approach the game. Like Fred Shoemaker has talked in many ways that how his he evolved as a coach, and he used to think it was all about what he called this snappy stuff that he would say. He'd impart all this brilliant uh, information, and then he came to a point where he realized. The key value he could provide as a coach was to draw out the person so they could have their own experiences. Mm-hmm. And is that what your research has shown? I think in small ways, yes. You know, you're trying to provide this opportunity for them to feel this is going to be good. And that's kind of a general principle. <laughs> what you, could you do to help them say, this is going to actually be more positive than I thought it might be. But it's well, their own experiences that they're having as opposed to the coach saying, do this. And, and also to, to make the uh, point that, you know, a lot of people come to lessons, whether it's a, a mental one or a physical one, with a feeling of, well, I almost like, I hope I do it right. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I'm, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough. And there's I hope a lot of fix me. Yeah. Or I hope you fix me. Because I can't fix myself, and there's a lot of ego, and there's a lot of, and but there's, there, it's not a very pleasant. I mean, I've had a lot of lessons in my life, and a lot of times it's, I feel like I've worked through that hour, and it oh, hasn't yeah. been the most pleasant thing. And then when it's over, I think, gee, I hope I can retain some of this information. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, because you mentioned novice, this in in, in there, our final uh, segment here. Let's talk about novice learning versus expert or people that have already had some instruction. Because most of the people listening to our show are golf geeks and they've been playing a long time. And you know, I don't know. Is it tougher to teach somebody to break down somebody's golf culture, their the, the their paradigm of learning? Is it tougher with a a player that's been at it a long time? Is it easier with novices because they don't have any sense of failure that they've you know a lifetime of frustration. Okay. Yeah, I think you hit on it <laughs> because, you know, we accumulate these little experiences, these sort of niggling thoughts that, that come into play when you least want them. You know, we're trying to get, uh, in, in essence, once we make the decision to move, we want it to be thought-free and we want to let it go, let it, let it go as, as it can. And so I think it is probably harder. Um, you, you ever had that experience where, Let's say you, you got a new set of clubs, and you go out on the, on the range and you say, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, this, is a, this is a nice new set, and everybody's really hyping this one. Mm-hmm. So in a way, that lets you get away from yourself and say, this experience is going to be even better because I have these you know, success-promoting clubs, so to speak. Oh, yeah. I think that's a part of the story of how you create those positive expectations. Not to say go buy new clubs all the time, but that's part of that experience that lets you get away from your own thoughts. Well, Rebecca, Tim and I are smiling because in the culture of golfers, there's the, uh, <laughs> there's like the best before date on a driver and a putter. Somewhere in the first few weeks, you're like, oh, I'm solved. And then all of a sudden, the putter just starts to go sour. Yeah, yeah. That, that happened to that's me. Right. I it's, have an anecdote short-lived so yeah well but, it's but called the placebo the effect the concept is to get your get yourself in that state of mind right. before you go that says this could be good 
then when you do go, you're a little more fluid. Mm. You know, uh, you mentioned our optimal theory uh, earlier at the beginning. Yes. Um, we published it last year, and there are actually three factors that are essential for, well, optimal performance. And one is an external focus. And the second one is being autonomous, feeling autonomous. And the third one is um, having confidence, essentially, you know, trusting yourself, your body, um, being confident that you can hit this ball well. So if all three come together, um, you'll see what we called goal-action coupling. Um, you'll have the flow experience that uh, you guys mentioned earlier. And those three things are really essential wherever the confidence comes from. It can come temporarily from new clubs, um, but it, in the long run, you really need to, I guess, convince yourself that you can, can do this. Otherwise, you won't hit the ball well. So, Gabrielle, the whole business about building confidence, and golfers are always working on that. And a lot of times they think, it's, you know, if I just think positively about this, and it's going to work out great. But my sense is that confidence is a very fragile thing, and it doesn't come from thinking about it. Does How do you build confidence? Is it from, as uh, Carl Morris says, is it from, say, building evidence that you've, you've chipped enough times to see it land close so, you get the, so that finally when you're in a tournament and you're chipping, you have confidence because you've built that evidence? Uh, what's your sense of it? Yeah, I think, you, you know, for, for one, you, I mean, knowing that an external focus is the only thing that works, <laughs> that would add to the confidence. You have to keep your mind focused on the goal, on the target, and just knowing that should give you confidence. Ah. But also, of course, you know, confidence comes from experience and uh, reminding yourself that you have done well in previous situations or just <laughs> simple little things that could, um, you know, convince your, you that uh, you can do this. So let me give you one silly example, perhaps, sometimes when I feel that I lack confidence, I just tell myself, well, it's not that hard. Just hit the ball. <laughs> Believe it or not, it, it works. Uh, yeah, I can, I can relate to that because we, we spend a lifetime thinking this is the most complicated activity there is, and then you see a, a, a newcomer to the game who doesn't know, who hasn't been told it's the hardest thing in the world, and yeah. they can just, they somehow, they're told to hit the ball, and they bang the club against the ball, and it goes somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> and I just love this. We've got, the, we've got one of the world's experts on, on motor skill learning and attention, and it's like, just hit the ball. Just hit it already. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Dr. Gabby Wolf uh, from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, uh, UNLV. Uh, what is it? The um, Department of the, the run. No, I was going to say no, the, the Running Rebels. Oh, rebels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Dr. Rebecca Luthwaite from uh, UCLA. Wow, what a, uh, a great uh, time talking to the both of you. Uh, how I, I see that golf is uh, uh, an interest in, in both of your uh, bios. Or how, how's your game? Gabby, well, you can tell us. You can yeah, share now. Practicing. What's that? I just enjoy practicing. You know. Oh, you don't play. Yeah. You just hit the ball. No, she she hits. But <laughs> <laughs> who's? How about you, Rebecca? What's um, what's the state of your game? And between the two of you, do you ever play together and uh, put some money on put it? Put some money on it. <laughs> no, you know what I do is I, I don't generally don't keep score for one. Mm -hmm. I keep score of my positive hits. I focus on, mm. wow, on number 16, I hit that four iron exactly where I wanted. So I actually just focus on the good, and that, mm -hmm. that is part of building confidence. Sure. Um, so I do that, and um, I enjoy it, yeah. and that's another key. And just like Rebecca, I don't keep score either. My goal is a smooth swing. I picture Fred Couples, and I try to imitate him and uh, figure out the right swing thoughts to allow me to do that, and that works quite well. <laughs> well, I want to finish, if I can. I know what Tim's final thoughts are. And swing thoughters, we're going to do an extra couple of minutes just to kind of update what's going on in the world of golf. But uh, I've been very lucky in my life. I've had a lot of instruction from some of the biggest names in golf. Jim McClain and Rick Smith have been in the... Led Better Academy and so forth, but I've been uh, working with somebody who's pretty, 
Interesting. Very simple approach. And, and one of the things he said to me this week is I got a tournament coming up on Monday and I've been kind of struggling a little bit with my swing early in the season. And he just reminded me of something. And I want to read it to you. He said, Howard, just remember this. The shot creates the swing. The swing doesn't create the shot. Very good point. And, and it's funny because he hasn't got a lot of formal background and he's kind of a kooky dude. But uh, when he said that to me, I'm like, oh, yeah. Now I remember, if I want to hit a, a high draw into that left pin, I don't have to think about what my body does. I just have to think about that. Because I can do that. I have the skill level to pull that off when I'm externally focused. When I'm internally focused at my level, I, I can't do it. And yet I could describe in detail the physical movements and the club head and what the path needs to be. But in the end, it's really that shot needs to feel this way. So just go ahead and hit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. Mm-hmm. All right, you two. Uh, PhDs corroborating your uh, your approach. My quirky there, old prospector. Yeah. Listen, Dr. Gabriel Wolf and Dr. Rebecca Luthwaite, thank you so much. Uh, you know, Tim's sort of, uh, he'll be in charge to, you know, thank you formally. <laughs> and, thank you. Uh, no, thank fun. you. Our pleasure. Mm-hmm. Well, we hope really you enjoyed fun. yourself. Thanks yeah. so much. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Doctors. Doctor people, gone now. There they go. Gone. Uh, maybe not. There we go. I'm trying to hang up on them. There we go. I had to look up the other day how to how to hang up a FaceTime call. I was like, what? She's still there. I'm like, what? Anyway. <laughs> that, I got that some, was cool, eh? I got, before you, I got something going on. I lost the cover of my phone, right? Uh-huh. So it doesn't matter. But what happens is I've it been all like, naked and stuff. I've been like pocket dialing people. <laughs> and then my phone just has this thing. All of a sudden it's like. Things will appear on it. I can't figure out where it came from. I'm just that every time I put it down, it's like a mystery. But I, and my, one of my daughters said, well, Daddy, why don't you get a new cover? I go, you know, I kind of like the randomness yeah, yeah, of how yeah. I can just pick up my phone. I'm like, oh, I've called Tim. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, they were great, dude. China. They were really good. Um, before, because Timmy was late this morning because the traffic on the 401 uh, getting in here was a nightmare. So I oh spent I spent the hour uh, where you were going to be here. I sort of started looking them up. And then I started looking up people that are their disciples, golf teachers. And there's this dude out in Calgary who is a big Gabrielle Wolf uh, acolyte. And he teaches the game in a very interesting way. We might want to look him up because he's a bit of a kook as well. Cool. What's his name? Uh, it's right here. Oh, His name is. There. Hold on. While well, you're looking at Sean, yeah, look at Sean Clement, who we had on Another the show, guy, yeah. uh, um, a big disciple of uh, Gabriel Wolf and Rebecca and the Optimal Theory. While you're looking at that, um, so they were the... talking about some uh, studies they've done, and one of the coolest studies, um, as it pertains to golf and how how people can relate to this, is that they took uh, a group of golfers and divided them into thirds. And gave them each it was either a pitching wedge or nine doesn't matter. Basically, showing them how to pitch uh, pitch the ball. So one third of the uh, of the participants were told how to swing a make a chip motion. So let's say you know left wrist firm uh, weight forward all of that you know shut, um, you know technique oriented stuff. Mm-hmm. One third were told absolutely nothing. Just hit the ball. They weren't told what here's here's a club. There's the ball. You do this thing and hit it. The others were told to focus on the club as if it was a tool. That's all they were told. Use this as a tool and, oh, I know, swing it in a pendulum motion. Right. So here's what they found So from this research is that the people who were told nothing – did as well as the people <laughs> who were given technique. Come on. Absolutely. That's hilarious. That's the brilliance of, of the work that uh, Rebecca and Gabriel have done is, is to show that you're told how to do, not told how to do anything, and you do just as well as the people given all that, you know, uh, you know do this right, keep, the, keep your hands ahead and shaft leaning forward. And so the people who were learning to use uh, – Using the club as a tool, so definitely that external focus, they did the best. The guy's name is Ron Sissons, I believe, and he's uh, <coughs> uh, he, he basically credits Dr. Gabrielle Wolf and the Performance Q Research uh, stuff that she's done at UNLV. He, he, how I came across him is I just, you know, went down that, you know, I went from, 
you know, her to a bunch of other people that, that, and then this guy popped up and he was auditioning to be an instructor on the golf channel. He's from Calgary, but his whole thing is, you know, I, I can, he can show you how it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's not very well shot, but he's got a lot of before and after pictures of people that have taken a lesson um, in an hour. Look, all of a sudden they look like golfers. Absolutely. Because their focus is like your, your one third, one third, one third. They're just using the club as a tool as opposed to this mysterious thing that only real golfers know how to rotate. Oh, all that. It really is, uh, and and I, you know, we all fall down the rabbit hole from time to time in, uh, in terms of getting locked um, in instruction. I do, you do, and we were both, you know, we're not immune to well, this stuff. Def- you default, exactly. you default to, to patterns that you've gone through your whole life, and like, so one of the things that uh, they were talking about how to teach an like a novice or a way to get someone who's kind of bound up with mechanics to loosen up. You just you just get a golf ball and you just have them like throw me the golf ball. Yeah, and you can do that around a green too. If you're caught up in your chipping or something, your pitching, and you, do, you just throw the ball underhand and when you get that sense of the flow and reacting to the target it just becomes so much easier well you know one of the things that's a tim o'connor staple and i know a lot of our listeners have heard you talk about it and and i i buy into it as well is the idea excuse me that you can't tell me any more about golf instruction there's not an instructor i could meet that's going to go you know what howard here's the here's the one missing thing here's it's, the here's here's nirvana the, right the, the the holy grail like it's not and, and it's it's that the idea that the o'connor idea of you know the guru the into out the i'm going to tell you how to swing a golf club and i had this discussion with our boy paul doolin last night who's uh you know big uh, mental performance dude in orlando and pga tour player pga t his guys DA are points. kyle stanley da yeah. points and me and uh, we had dinner last night we we're talking about you know the world of golf and i said you know I feel sort of bad in a way for some of the guys that we know, you and I and him, that teach golf because I no longer buy into it. And and I've been at it 40 years. And there's going to be a shift. I mean, the way of the, you know, the the way of the golf world is changing. And as I said to Doolin last night, I said, you know, the problem with that model, and I quoted you, is I said, it's so guru-based. The problem is I never learn to do it myself. And I, and I had to break away from it. Absolutely. And, the, you know, I was going to say, the guy that I've been working with now into my second year, I have n- he's never videotaped me. Not yeah. once. <laughs> he's never once told me where my hands should be. You know, we, we work on basically, if you needed to hit a cut into that right to left wind, how would you do that? What would it feel like? Mm-hmm. What does it look like? Because I know how to do it. I just didn't know I was allowed to do it on the golf course. Yeah. Well... I remember uh, one of our first shows of this year, you said, Tim, what's one of the key things you would teach a golfer how to play this game better? I said awareness. Like, really? That's it? Isn't there more to it? No, it's awareness. And it starts with being aware of what you're doing being in your own experience it's and it's like fred shoemaker has said it's really about self-coaching and she said the same gabriel said the same thing it's learning from her own experience and it's only through doing that and like getting the feedback from the golf ball oh by the way that's where to your point where you were talking to the two of them that's where confidence comes from yeah that's where self that's the definition self-confidence is confidence you have Mind yourself. Absolutely. You've brought it all from your... So you totally own it. Yes. You totally... All the stuff that you do is your own stuff. And because if you don't understand what goes on with you, then when you get in situations, say, of like pressure, if you're not in touch with what really goes on for you, you don't have a chance. Because your body's going to react in all kinds of different ways. And, and it's interesting because, I, again, I didn't know what we were going to talk about uh, exactly with Gabrielle and Rebecca. But, you know, Doolin and I touched on her briefly, briefly last night. The idea of confidence uh, accruing. That's not really what I meant to say. But, you know, getting, l- l- getting confidence is uh, fought for by through your own self Discovery, absolutely. Having an having a, and, I, and again, no one has taken more lessons than me. I say that not braggadociously; it's just true. Mm-hmm. No one has spent more time in a range than me, so I know I know what that world's like, and it do, it didn't serve me well. Right. Now, it doesn't mean that we're discounting the idea that you could work with a PJ Tour, a Canadian Tour, a, a 
a PJ of Canada professional and not get better. But if it's all about them downloading their information and you, like you're taking in their external information from that and you've never experienced it. So if they say, you know, turn your left hip on the downswing. If you've never experienced that, that's just a concept. It's an intellectual concept as opposed to what did you feel just there? You know, a coach can help draw that out of you, maybe a little bit quicker than on your own. Well, but what, they can they can help you do it. But what Rebecca said though is, and I'm not, you know, I know why you're saying that, and I, I don't disagree. Well, why it, am I saying it? Well, no, you're saying that you know a PGA of Canada professional can help you. I'm I'm saying not not if they're not not if they're not talking about the right kind of things. I they agree. Can't. I agree 100. percent But if it's all about just them imparting, this is my way. This is well, the method. That's what I'm saying. That method, yeah. that that paradigm is done. Absolutely. And that's why golfers haven't improved in in the entire time I've been playing it. The handicap of the average player hasn't gone down. They don't um, understand their own gold, their the own brilliance they have as a human being, that ability, you know, to chuck the spear. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, you can learn. I, I, I'm, I'm saying this about myself, and I'll include you too. But I'm just, I, can, I, could, I could help a golfer. We could help a golfer more than, than, a P, than an accredited PGA of Canada golf teacher who only talked about um, – uh, Left hip, uh, yeah, posting yeah. up on your left side. The reason I say that is because, you know, I, I help a couple guys around my club. And, you know, I, I, I was t- teaching a guy the other day, teaching, is, you know, helping him out. And I just gave him a couple simple things. And it was all about target. This guy is a lifetime cut slicer of the ball. Right. And I gave him this little trick. And within, I'm telling you, Tim, within four swings, this guy was drawing the ball. And he had no idea why. And I didn't give, I didn't give him any... Backswing, forswing. Yeah, yeah. Just, I just gave him some target stuff, and it, and it, and he couldn't believe it. My point is, if you're going to tell me the problem with the instruction model is, if you say Howard, you need to push up off the ground and post up that left hip and get up behind, moving behind you. That's great as a concept, but it has nothing to do with feel. Right, absolutely. You cannot feel it because you're thinking your way through it. And whenever you think, you're disembodied. You're not connected with and your And as body. you've said at the beginning of the show, and you've said it a million times, I totally agree. If I, I, Golfers just walk around the course going, well, I'm, I'm not doing this right. And that's the whole problem is that you're doing it right enough. Exactly. You're doing it right enough to play a lot better than you think you are. And that's the problem is that the and we talked about this on a bunch of shows where that that Swedish golfer book I read where the guy says everyone thinks the culture of golf is my swing is broken right. and I must fix it. Yes. And one day I'll remember the name of that book. But uh, it's true. We have this idea that I am broken. Mm-hmm. Please, Tim Howard, help me. That's why I laugh when she said about uh, the, the left leg on the ground because all the golfers went, what is it? Pause that on oh. my podcast. Go back <laughs> 30 right. seconds. You know, no matter. And Go back you, 30 seconds. And it's funny because I know you and I, as, as, as evolved as we think we are, we're both going, left foot, left foot on the ground. <laughs> Is there a left foot thing I can do today when I go golfing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, I, I love that. Um, so a good example of, of that was uh, my son, Sean. He's, um, he was a hockey player, didn't play much golf, but now he's really getting into golf because all his buddies play. And uh, he's hitting the ball really well. Driver, kind of high right, slicey. And so it's like, how to, how to help Sean? And I finally just went, you know what, Sean? Just pretend someone's just stolen your wallet and he's running away from you and you're going to throw your club at his backside. And he just hit the ball and it was like, pow. Yeah. Lower trajectory. Um, it, it was kind of like a fade. It was like a nice fade as opposed to this big, you know, right of target slice. And he just looked at me and I went, you did that all on your own. Yeah, that's your body. That's all on your own. And that's reacting to target body just going out there as opposed to him trying to think gosh i gotta bring my hands more kind of down the line as opposed to outside and all of that there's a new instructor great kid his name is nick uh something or other at uh, glen karen where i'm a member <clears throat> last wednesday was our first men's night and he was walking the line you know oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. his gig 
And he's got a he's got his track man. We'll, and get, he, we'll get that name, Nick. Nick something. He's a great guy. I've, I've talked to him a couple times. Let us be, know Glencairn people. Because he's a geek and I love geeks and golf is one of my favorite things to discuss. But he walks over to me and I see him. He's got this track man. He's got a portable track man. He's like, hey, you want me to put your uh, swing on that? I said, don't. Get away from me. Station, get behind Stop. me. Get, get back. <laughs> Young man, I said, I've tracked, I've been on every kind of device there is. And he Don't laughed. Don't come near me. Come get that. away from me. <laughs> Yeez. Um, Satanic. No, I was going to, what's that? They, a flim flam man with you. <laughs> exactly. And, and he, the funny thing is, he was teaching a guy next to me that has no, he's got a, he's, you know, you know. The last thing that guy needs is to know what his if he's if he's coming in on an inside angle downswing. I mean, the last thing he needs to know is his smash factor. Is he doesn't need to know a smash factor. Two five or something. Whether he's hitting up on it or down. And uh, and I and I and I've talked to Nick. He was there yesterday. I was just practicing a little bit, and you know we're talking about the golf swing. And I said, you know, I have just I've given up on you know angles of attack. I said I know when I'm flushing it how I feel in my body. And I've been pretty frustrated this last uh, week or two because, you know, now it's getting closer to yeah, yeah. competition. And, and I was saying this to Doolin last night. I said, you know, I'm, I am no less angry. And you'll, you'll maybe like this or not. You, you angry? I'm no less angry than I've ever been on the golf course. My, my, my evolution is I'm able to be angry and then go hit a shot. Nice. Big difference. I mean, no, sorry. Actually, let me, let me rephrase it. I'm able to get mad. But not angry. Oh. I'm able to get mad at that shot like, gosh, that just didn't work out. All right. Now what do I have to and do? And you leave it. And I'm going to tell you my favorite statistic of 2017. I've played uh, about 11 rounds of golf. Three or four are just goofy playing wet golf. But about seven rounds of wet official. Golf. You know what I mean? It's wet and you're just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've probably had. Well, the, these last seven rounds I've played under actual golf conditions. I have made one double bogey in seven rounds. Very nice. That is, I, that's golf spiritual leader level I, golf. I'm telling you because I get myself in trouble and all I do is say, well, you know, you're not. I, I've had a couple of rounds where I just didn't hit it good at all. But I just got my, I, I, I assessed my feeling about what was going on and went, okay, you're not flushing it. So let's make those targets a little. And my short game helped me a little bit too because I let it because I didn't go, God, you know, I'm. I'm broken. Why can't I hit the ball? Right. And when I was Tom hitting it today, mm-hmm. I bogeyed the first three holes I played yesterday, and I shot 76. Sweet. Because and it was a horrible. It was windy and yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. And I'm on the fourth tee. And I'm playing with and good cool. players. And cool. cool. Yeah. And I'm and I'm my mind is going a mile a minute. I'm on the fourth tee. I'm going. Well, I've been out here an hour. I haven't made a par. Event. I could I could have bogeyed every hole in the golf course. But and there's all that. But I thought, you know what? Let me see if I can uh, make a good swing here. And see what happens. And then, you know, I, I just eventually settle down. But my mistakes now are minimized because I don't try and do anything that even on that day I feel I can't. Um, the point being is I'm not trying to solve my golf swing on the golf course. I'm just going, well, my golf swing seems to be a bit wonky. What can I do to make par in this hole? Mm-hmm. Do I need to take an extra club? Do I need to, you know... Not try and go for the green. I was 205 out on a downwind par five yesterday. 205 is a pretty reasonable number for me. And I just didn't like the lie. And I actually was about to hit four iron downwind, you know, nice. par five. And I yeah. went, nope. <laughs> I did. And I got, I'm going to tell you, O'Connor, I got pissed at myself. I was like, Pfft. I put the four, I slammed the four iron back in my bag and I got a pitching wedge. <gasps> and I know, I was like, gosh. But the old Howard would have hit that four iron into the burn. I would have made eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just said, you know what? Just pitching wedge, pitching wedge gets me, takes anything more than bogey out of the equation. Because you get three putt, you can make a bad shot, whatever. Wow, I'm just I'm just basking here in the wonderment of your ascension to greatness. Golf spiritual leader. But I'm going to tell you, over that four iron, and I was literally about, I was like a Joe Parent moment. <laughs> I did. I was about to hit that ball. Anyway. I was going to hit it anyway. And it, I had, and, and, and I thought to me, because I was having all these thoughts, you got no business hitting this. It flies a little bit crappy and the pin's back right. There's no way I'm getting it near the pin. And, and so I thought to myself, why are you trying to hit this green? Yeah. Because you're not getting it near the pin. And if you make a mistake, it's going in the water. And so I, I was having these thoughts about to pull the club back. And I went, nope. Just oh. like that. And, uh. The point is... But I love how you talk... Well, sorry, tell no, me your point. Well, that, I made my point. No, but I love how you said you kind of got angry. I so, got angry at myself. But in a way, you were, you were um, 
it's in a way you're caught up in old behavior and you're still reacting to old behavior like gosh i'd love to do this but yeah. i'm not gonna and that's a different deal and you know it was a, a round that meant nothing but one thing i've learned is that you know you want to talk about building self-confidence because i could have hit that shot it wouldn't have meant anything and whether i maybe i pulled it off and make birdie maybe i don't want to make double but the idea, the reason I told you, I played seven rounds of golf with one double bogey, and the double bogey I made was it was, it was in a pot bunker where it was impossible to get the ball out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a good double bogey, is my point. But I was standing over that ball, and I have, I have a, a tournament on Monday. And one of the things about stepping away from it is I have given myself permission now, and I've built up a little self-confidence knowing that, you know, I can step away from a shot. You know, my buddies were all like, what are you doing? I go, you know what I mean? Like, there's that feeling of being oh, yeah, a little bit embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, or like, what's yeah. going on? I go, nothing. Not going for it. That's what's going on. Exactly. I'm going, and I hit a great drive. Like I said, I had, I had re- it was reasonable. Yeah. And if the ball had been on the fairway, that would have been different. But it wasn't. And uh, that's given me some self-confidence knowing that Monday when I'm under pressure, I'll go, okay. You know, you've stepped away before. Don't worry about it. Yeah, You'll be that's fine. building confidence. You get well, as we've said many times, getting your reps in. So you're getting your reps in and stepping away. That's that's big because a lot of people can't do it around what you talked about. The fear of judgment. You know, what's going on? Let's get on with this. You know, that's that's great stuff. That's where you learn. Well, and also the self awareness, and this is mm-hmm. the last thing I'm gonna say is, you know, like you you swing it very nicely. We if you saw both of us you know, you, we, we hit good shots, but I think what I, the biggest learning I have is when I'm not feeling it, where am I aiming? And I'm going to tell you, Timmy, a couple times yesterday, once I got past the first hour of being three over after three, mm-hmm. I went, okay, started to feel a little bit middle of the round and then, but I still knew I wasn't on. So I just, in, instead of trying to even remotely, you know, shave a, draw something around a bunker. I went, you know what, I'll just bunt it out to the right and just see if I, because, because, you know, a lot of, with a lot of times we make mistakes off the tee that get us in trouble for the rest of the hole. Whereas my whole thing is how far away from trouble can I hit this? Because I know given, you know, my ability, if I have a six, seven, eight, nine in my hand, I'm going to hit the green or be near it. Yeah. But if I'm in the trees, I can't. Right. Absolutely. And that's the thing I would say that, you know, if you're playing in the next week or two, assess where you are that day. And if you're flushing it, great. Go for it. Yeah. But if you're not, you know, it's nothing wrong with playing away from the trouble. I like just the, the whole idea of being aware of what's going on in my body right now. When I'm standing over shot, do I feel comfortable? You know, and a lot of times if you don't, we've all had those times in which we're standing over shot. But, oh, this is going to be great. And boom. Pretty well. It is great. But there's times where, oh, man. Well, that's your body saying, oh, you know what? You don't really have this shot or you're misaligned or there's something. That's time, as as you talk about, step back. And that comes from, again, from just being being aware of what's going on for you. And there's some times in which, like, it, it doesn't matter what. You just have those days where it's, it's not going to work out so great. So now you have to just respond a little bit more strategically. If I'm leaking all my mid-irons well, then maybe I'm going to just... Pull targets a little bit more to the left. Absolutely. And especially where I play, you know, Glen Karen is a real, you know, it's a very windy golf course and there's pot bunkers everywhere. And if you're in a pot bunker, it's like hitting it in the water on a, you know, it's like a hazard. So you got to hit it sideways. You got to hit it. And, and so, you know, even yesterday, once I started to sort of get comfortable with my golf swing, but I knew that I, I wasn't drawing the ball very well. So all I did was play cuts all day. Yeah. And perfect. I just cut it away from every, I literally aimed at every pot bunker and cut it away so that maybe it didn't go as far as I'd like, but I, I was somewhere where I could play the next shot. And it's a funny thing that happens. Again, building confidence and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. As the round wore on, I'm like, okay, this strategy seems to be working. I'll stick with it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I started to, because here's the thing, even at our level, my level, um, I'm more confident with a pitching wedge in my hand than I am with a three iron off a hanging lie. Uh, so duh. give me a pitching wedge <laughs> yeah. and I'm probably going to flush it. Yeah. So I gave myself lots of seven irons and eight irons in, you know, that make, make your stress level go down. You know, even in wind, you know, you want to just keep your level of anxiety to a minimum and you'll find your body will just react to it. Because like I said, you know, if I give you driver off the deck, you're not going to be able to get it airborne. Yeah. You're not only golf spiritual leader, you're Thank a you. scratch golf spiritual leader. So I can't add anything more to the brilliance that, oh that I've God. just Let me come heard. over there and hug the shit out of you. Oh, that is right. swell. I'd love that. Okay. Well, listen, I got to go. Because we're open. We're mature. We can talk about that. Goddamn.
Uh, listen, man. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Lots of great stuff there each and every day. Humble and Fred, Radio.com. Not safe for work. The Canada's National, National Morning, Morning Show. Show. But also Swing Thoughts. Folks, subscribe. If you don't subscribe to us, subscribe, rate us, give us a review. That'd be swell. Yeah, you good know? point. Tell and us where we can get better and what you like about our show. And, and uh, thanks again to this, uh, to Rebecca and to Gabrielle, and also Kevin Hunsberger, oh, yeah. our guest a couple weeks ago. Rudra's went to see went Rudra's seen him. I've seen him a couple times. I'm gonna tell you, golfers, some great stuff that he's uh, that, that he's doing. Yeah, um, my left. Uh, rotator cuff, elbow, and hip have, have been loosened up incredibly, just in a couple sessions too. Nice. Well, he's he's. I hear amazing things about him all the time. And uh, listen, man, you know you're you're looking good for sixty. You're looking good for fifty. Oh. You know. Listen, you're even. I, look- to, I think it's just from vanity, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surgery. You know, what I could I make up? You could pull, I could tell somebody you were forty, but that you had a bad meth problem. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, that guy forty? Yeah, but he's uh, he's gone Breaking Bad. You know, yeah. he's doing some stuff out in Guelph. Yeah, all right, those, kids. Those lines have to be attributed to something. <laughs> That's right. He's had a horrible childhood. All right, we'll uh, see you next time. See ya. Guitar George, he knows all the chords. Mighty strictly rhythm, he doesn't wanna make it cry.